Chad and Paul and guys for leading us in worship today and encouraging and inspiring us and how true it is. Sometimes we are so worried about trying to walk on the water that we forget and realize the significance and importance of walking on the land each and every day. And I believe that through our summer prayer series our, uh, that we have, have begun to develop that idea. How is it that we faithfully walk with our Lord every day? And that's through the practice of prayer, by being a people who pray. Richard Foster put it this way, he said, prayer is nothing more than the ongoing and growing love relationship that we have with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Prayer is our relationship with God. And so as we've been talking about summer prayers, we've talked about the the importance and reality that if we want to grow in our faith, that we must grow in prayer. And so over these last weeks, we've, we've looked through the Scriptures, we've, we've looked at the model prayer and, and asked Lord, the Lord to teach us how to pray. We've looked at passages that have told us how to, to ask and to petition the Lord. We should ask, we should seek, we should knock. We've learned what it means to pray for others in intercession. And we've learned about that prayer for mercy, that we cry out to God to save us. And the prayer that turns our will over to the Lord's as we would say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Last week we talked about that incredible prayer of forgiveness. Certainly the prayer that we would offer to receive the forgiveness of God, but the prayer that we, as those who would be sinned against, would offer that prayer, that grace of forgiveness to someone else who would sin against us. We are called to, to be a people of prayer and to practice prayer. And that means finding that special time that we can pray. It means having those special places or or place that we can go and pray and practice and be disciplined in our prayers. But as we alluded to in that first week, we are also called to engage in a life of prayer. Listen to John Dalrymple as he says this. He says it this way, you can never pray all the time, everywhere, If you have not prayed some of the time, somewhere. The goal of the Christian life, the the goal of our summer prayer series is to bring us to today's scripture. That we are to be a people that pray without ceasing. And we can only pray without ceasing as we've learned that daily discipline of prayer alone. And certainly with each other in small groups and in larger groups. I think I've shared from this story before, but, but I've become very interested over the last months as the movie Heartbreak Ridge came out and as we learned the life of, of Desmond Doss, who is a, a committed and devout Christian, Seventh-day Adventist, and his conviction of, of pacifism, that he would not take up a gun to, to harm or to kill anyone, and yet his conviction to serve in the army. And so he signed up and, and became a medic. And, and the story is told, uh, particularly in the movie, as, as, the, as his uh, battalion went up to take, a, to take a hill and they had to climb up this escarpment to get to the, to the battlefield. And after a day and a half or so on that battlefield, his unit was, was beaten back. They were forced to retreat off of the escarpment. And, and it's a powerful story of, as one of his, his best friends in the unit is killed and he carries him back to that escarpment, to that area where he can be lowered down. And, and as Desmond is 
trying to discern and understand what God would have him do as the shells are raining down around him. As he's, he begins to utter this prayer, almost just under his breath, God, what would you have me to do? God, what would you have me to do? God, what would you have me to do? And as he's uttering that quiet, that almost breath-like prayer, he hears the cry from the battlefield, Medic! 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 And he understands that there are, are, are many soldiers that are still wounded on the battlefield. And if he, if he abandons them, if he retreats off the battlefield, that they will soon die. And the prayer goes out, God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? As that cry for medic comes over and comes through the field, Doss gathers his things together and hurries and rushes back out to the battlefield. And over that night, the story goes that, that he saved 75 men because he went back to rescue them. He responded as he prayed to God, what would you have me do, God? See, that's the kind of unceasing prayer unending prayer, the kind of life that, that we are called to experience and to know through Christ. If you would, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The book of 1 Thessalonians, actually the letter of 1 Thessalonians, is, is a fairly small letter written to the church of Thessalonica by Paul. Paul's in, I think it's one of the prison letters, so Paul is in prison. And it's interesting that in this passage in chapter 4 that we're barely going to touch on, and, and then in chapter 5 where we want to focus our efforts, Paul is concerned about this church knowing God's will. And I think that's true, especially as I've worked with students, youth, and, and college students, and, and young adults, that question comes frequently. Oh, I just want to know what God's will is. I just want to know what God's will is. How, Brother Wade, can I know God's will for this time and, and this place? How can I know God's will for my life? And certainly God cares about the details of our lives, but sometimes we want to make that question much more difficult than it really is because there's some overriding principles that if we'll follow and we'll embrace and live out, we can know God's will and we can live in God's will. And a lot of those details will begin to naturally take shape and take place within our lives. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'll begin reading in verse 3. For this is the will of God. Okay, what is the will of God? I, that's important. I want to know, right? So this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. And then skipping down to verse 7. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but for sanctification. Well, that's a pretty big word, isn't it? <laughs> what, what does that mean? But here's, here's the point. What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for my life? Sanctification. Okay, what does that mean? Sanctification is, is the, the life that each of us as followers of Christ are called to live. What sanctification means, in just very brief terms, is that day by day we become more and more like Jesus Christ. We become like Jesus. And Paul says, this is God's will for you. 
That you would be sanctified, that you would become like Jesus more and more each and every day. Now it's interesting here that the, the particular area that he's, he's exhorting the church to is in the area of, of sexual immora- immorality and of sexual purity. And there was a belief at that time, and, and still is pervasive today, that, that I can do whatever I want to with my body and still be faithful to follow Christ. That what, what God is really concerned about is my heart and my mind. But my body I can do with whatever. And what, what Paul is saying, no, is that you're called to be sanctified, certainly with your mind, with your heart, but also with your body. And this is the way that you follow after me. Your sanctification in all of these ways. But Paul continues on in this idea of what God's will for us is. So let's look at, at chapter 5. And we'll begin in verse 14. Again, he's, he's talked about this process of, of sanctification. And then he says, And we urge you, brothers, to admonish the unruly, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit and do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So here in this last, kind of the the farewell section of of this letter, Paul is reminding us of what it means to, to be sanctified and how to pursue God's will for us. And then he deals with some very specific ways that we can following God's will. But I want our attention to be focused on verses 16, 17, and 18, where he says that we're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, to give thanks in everything. And then he says this, this is God's will for you. God's will for us is is to enter into a life and a relationship with Him in which we're, we're constantly in communication, in fellowship with God. And out of that relationship, then we can, we can always be rejoicing and we can always be giving thanks. Now certainly there are, are, are seasons and times of life where we don't feel like rejoicing, where we don't feel like giving thanks. Well, well God, how can, how can I give thanks for evil that I've experienced? But, but that's not what, I don't think that's what he's saying. What he's saying is, in the midst of those circumstances, in the midst of experiencing a season where there's not a lot of joy externally, where there's not a lot to be thankful for as people would come against you, you can still find ways to rejoice because you know that God, through Christ, is victorious. That God has victory over, over death. That, that no matter what happens in this life, that you can rejoice because you have the gift and the promise of eternal life with Him. No matter what comes against you, you can be thankful for His presence with you. You can be thankful for His strength and for His grace with you. In everything, not, not for everything, in everything. Give thanks. Recognize where you see God working around you and and ministering through and to you in those difficult times. And in everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing. A part of our prayer is rejoicing and praising God. A part of our prayer is giving thanks to God. But let's 
let's explore this idea a little bit further. You see, God's will for us is to pray. Pray without ceasing. Listen to the different places that Paul speaks this to the other churches. To the church at Rome, Paul says this, Be devoted in prayer. To the church at Ephesus, Paul says this, Pray at all times in the Spirit of God. Have that deep fellowship and communion with the Spirit of God that that you're praying at all times. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul says it this way, Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep alert in prayer. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That we're to keep alert as we live our lives moment by moment. We're to keep alert in prayer. We're to keep alert in fellowship with God. We're to be aware of what's going on around us spiritually so that we can be alert and ready and be devoted and pray without ceasing. Even Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Luke wants us to understand and know that that, that Jesus wants us to pray without ceasing as well. And, And before these prayer parables, we're told that Jesus says, pray at all times. And do not lose heart. There are times when we just don't feel like praying. Guys, I've I've been praying and and the situation is so difficult and and I'm I'm so hurt, I'm so wounded, I'm so much in despair. And Jesus says, pray at all times and don't lose heart. Continue to offer that prayer. Continue to offer that breath of prayer. God, be with me. God, Allow me to see and to experience your love and your grace. We are called to pray without ceasing. So the question becomes, how do you do that? Okay, pastor, you want us to pray without ceasing, but what does it mean to pray without ceasing? How do you do that? How do you pray 24-7? And it depends on how you understand and define prayer. Again, certainly a part of prayer deals with your posture and, and with that special time and maybe a place that you, you discipline yourself to, to a time of prayer, of quiet, of scripture reading and meditation. But prayer also reflects an ongoing awareness that you would have of the presence of God in your life and in the world around you. Let me share with you a couple of ways that we can practice prayer without ceasing. First comes from a, a, a monk, a Catholic monk from the, the 17th century. Some of you are familiar with the writings and, the, and the, the story of Brother Lawrence. He's a 17th century monk whose desire was to constantly be in the presence of God. In fact, so much so that he committed himself to life as a priest, to life as a monk, so that he could constantly be in the presence of God. And yet, for Brother Lawrence, something happened along the way. He began to be frustrated with the day-to-day routines and what he would call distractions of life. Well, God, I I can't be in your presence because I've got to go do this or I've got to do that. And Brother Lawrence found himself in the kitchen. And one of his tasks was peeling the potatoes. And he was frustrated because he believed that when he was peeling the potatoes, he couldn't be in the presence of God until it dawned on him. It dawned on him in a powerful way that whether he was peeling potatoes or on his knees in prayer, that he was in the presence of God. 
that the distractions, quote unquote, distractions of life, the, the routines of life, those things that we just kind of get into day in and day out, instead of being things that, that keep us from God, he discovered that those very things could be those things which allow us to discover and experience the presence of God in new and deeper ways. For Brother Lawrence, this idea of unceasing prayer, of unending prayer, was the recognition and the realization that he could practice, commit himself to being in the presence of God, no matter what he was doing. And so he committed his life to having an awareness of the presence of God around him, whether he was peeling potatoes or in prayer in his quiet room. So let's think about that. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, well, first of all, to be an aware, to be to have an awareness that in whatever you're doing, that God is there in your presence, in your midst. Colossians 3:23 says it this way: Do your work heartily for the Lord, rather than for man. In other words, what's the motivation of these work and these routines that you get into? It ought to be for the Lord because the Lord God is with you. He's present with you. And when you have that experience of God being present with you, then you can devote yourself totally and completely to Him. Secondly, the other way we practice the presence of God is an awareness that every person that you encounter, every person that you meet during the day, is an opportunity to meet Jesus or to serve and to minister to Jesus. Remember the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25? That whenever you have fed the hungry, whenever you have, have visited the lonely, whenever you have, have, have clothed the naked, that what? It's as if you've done it unto me. That's a, a practicing the presence of God. And that every person that you come across, every person that you meet, you might say to yourself, now how am I going to experience Christ? In and through this person? Is it a chance to, to serve them? Is it a chance to receive from them? And so, as we can develop this awareness, then we can begin to, to pray without ceasing. But there's a second way that I'd like to encourage you, and, and maybe for, for some of you the first time, is to talk about a, a prayer that Richard Foster uh, explains uh, in his book on prayer called Breath Prayers. Well, what do you mean by a breath prayer? I mentioned it earlier in the story of, of Doss. Breath prayers are prayers that allow us to experience and to be aware of God's presence in and around us all of the time. They are prayers of God dependence, not prayers of independence. They are prayers that ask God to show us His will, to show us His way, and to show us His truth for the present moment, the present need. Sometimes they are a request for God to do or do something or to reveal something in and through us. Sometimes, as we mentioned, they're simply breath prayers of grace, of praise, of thanksgiving. They are hidden prayers. They're prayers that come from the quietness of our breath. Just like you would on a cold winter's day, you would see your breath go up. Imagine that as your breath prayer. God, show me your presence. God, what would you have me to do? Father, reveal your love through me. Abba, let me experience and share your love with another. Jesus, give me compassion for this person that's hurting. Just, just a few words that just, they come from your breath very quietly, very silently. 
but you're offering them very purposefully and trying to be aware of God's presence with you. How about the there you are prayer? As you're going through life and, and you see the reflection of Christ in someone or, or you see the beauty of God in creation. Oh, there you are. There you are, God. There you are, Jesus. Thank you for showing yourself to me today. And then as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the Desmond Doss prayer. God, what would you have me to do? God, what would you have me to do? Here's a man standing on the corner and, and he's in desperate need. What would you have me to do? You're visiting with someone. They're hurting. What would you have me to do? The other, the other afternoon, uh, I was last one in the office getting ready to leave and someone just showed up at the door. I don't know how this person got in. They were knocking on my office door inside the, the offices. And I began to talk to this, this college student. And you could just tell she was hurting. And it was time for me to go home. Dinner was on the table. And the prayer that I uttered was, what would you have me do, God? She just said, I need someone to talk to. So for the next hour, we just sat and visited and talked. What would you have me to do, God? Just that prayer of awareness of God. And God, I'm here. I'm available to you. What would you have me to do? So as we talk about summer prayers, as we come to the end of this season of, of talking about summer prayers, it's time to begin practicing prayer. It's time to, to have that discipline, to, to go to that secret place or, or to have that regular schedule where we pray, with, pray, pray to God. We meditate on His Scriptures. We pray His Scriptures. But oh, that we would move beyond that to praying without ceasing. And we can do that if we'll recognize the, the presence of God all around us 24 hours a day. And we can do that if we'll begin to, to consciously utter these breath prayers for whatever moment experience that we have during the day. So church, let's commit to praying. And certainly praying on an individual level. But I want to finish our time together focusing on how we can begin to pray and how we can commit to pray as the body of Christ here at First Baptist. How we can pray without ceasing as the body of Christ in this place. Let me share two prayer opportunities that are, are coming up. First is the day of prayer. It's on August the 19th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And we're going to ask each person in our church to come and just to commit an hour to prayer. We'll have a prayer guide and some things like that to, to, to help you get through that time and to, to help to direct your prayer in some important ways. But would you come with the body of Christ called First Baptist of Norman, make a commitment to come and to pray in this place for 12 hours on a Saturday. Would you take an hour? Would you take 45 minutes? You may get here and be ready to go in 30 or 45 minutes. You may get here and find two or three hours later that God has moved in a mighty way in your life and is moving in our church. There's a tear-off on your bulletin that you can, you can say, I'll be here and put your name and, and put a time that you'd like to come. Would you commit to that? And then on Wednesday evenings, we have so many that come on Wednesday nights for, for choir rehearsal, for, for Bible study, for youth, for children, for our Wednesday evening meal. From 6 to 6.15, we're going we're gonna to begin and kick off that night after our, our meal starts at 5.30. We're going to meet and just have prayer time. Just as whoever shows up from our church, 15 minutes before Bible studies begin, just to pray and be together as the church at First Baptist Norman. Would you come and be a part of that? We're going to call that time evening prayers. 
Church, this is a significant time to be praying for our church as we move through this time of change, as we move through this time of healing and of grace. There's, there's been hurt. There's been times of grieving. As, as any time there's change, there's, there's a season of grieving, of acknowledging loss. And we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for healing. We need to be praying for God's redeeming grace and love to come and to heal. Next week, we begin worshiping together. I believe that part of the, the long-term healing that our church needs is to come together and to worship together, to bring the generations together and to worship as the body of Christ called First Baptist of Norman. Certainly, there's some, some grief and some angst in that. But church, we've got to get beyond this sentiment that, that you have your service and I have my service. This is my service and that's your service. That's a, a division, that's an attitude that, that is, has brought dysfunction to the greater body at First Baptist. And my prayer is that we can come together and instead of having my service or your service, we can begin to understand what it means to have our service as the people at First Baptist Church. Would you pray for that process? Would you pray for those that are, that, that are struggling, that are, that are hurting through that? As we restructure ministries, as that's impacted staff, there's, there's hurt, there's grieving, there's loss. Would we pray? John Maxwell in his book, let me get the title, his book called Winning with People has a significant section that he calls Hurt People, Hurt People. And then he says, hurt people are easily hurt. And there's some hurt in our congregation. We've got to deal with that. We've got to heal through that. Because if we don't, hurt people will continue to always hurt people. And hurt people will always continue to be hurt. And we've got to move beyond that time. We've got to heal together. We've got to come together and reconcile and experience the redemption of God. And we have that chance beginning today. And we have that chance beginning as we come to worship together and to experience that fellowship, the people of First Baptist. Church, we are called to pray, to pray without ceasing, to pray in those moments of prayers. And as we come through this summer season, that is the call of Christ for each of us. Will you be faithful? Will you pray? And will you begin to pray without ceasing through your breath prayers and through your recognition that the presence of God is always with me. Let's pray together.